Hey guys, I just wanted to give you a heads up about this episode. We actually recorded it at two separate times because I had a small child on my lap who was chucking a tantrum in the middle of the episode, which is not great for listeners to hear, despite the fact that we're all probably going through the same thing in mum life land. So it is split up. So if there's any audio issues, that's why. I also wanted to let you know that this is the last episode that you're going to hear branded as the red pill and the rabbit hole. And I'm looking at transitioning my podcast into my brand that is beginning and evolving called red pill women. I'm working behind the scenes on a lot of stuff at the moment that I want to get out to you guys, heaps of content to help you live a red pill life and be an empowered woman that is living on purpose. So enjoy this episode. They're all still going to be here. It's just transitioning into the new brand that I plan on making into a big, massive movement in the years to come. So enjoy this episode. Please share it on your socials. It's so important. The work that we're doing to get it out there and to reach as many women as possible. So thank you for listening. I appreciate every single one of you and enjoy. Hey guys, Rosie here. Welcome to the Red Pill and the Rabbit Hole podcast. Everything you find here is about fine-tuning your awareness and really coming into who you truly are, what you stand for, staying curious and overcoming challenges by being real, raw and unapologetically you. So thank you for being here. Buckle up, let's follow that pill and jump into the rabbit hole. Hey guys, it's Rosie here. Welcome to another episode of the Red Pill and the Rabbit Hole. I just quickly apologize that there hasn't been another one up because I've been sick and I didn't want to record with my sick voice. Um, But thankfully, I had this interview booked in so you don't have to listen to me. Uh, You can listen to Lisa. So I want to introduce my guest to you on our podcast today is Lisa Burling. So in 2013, Lisa's world was turned upside down as a result of a devastating chain of events. Her partner left her with a two-day-old premature baby and a three-year-old, no house and no job. Refusing to accept her new reality, especially as she'd just given up a global PR career to be a mum, in just four short years, she has gone from unemployed single mum to an award-winning entrepreneur, founder of award-winning PR consultancy, LBPR, currently the Public Relations Institute of Australia's Small PR Consultancy of the Year, and the creator of Australia's first student PR consultancy, Catalyst. She has been recognised as Businesswoman of the Year in the Illawarra, so just south of Sydney, and is also a proud ambassador for women's entrepreneurial movements, rising, oh, sorry, inspiring rare birds and the Oz Mumtrepreneur Mum Network. And in her spare time, haha, because yes, she actually has some, <laughs> um, she's written a book about her experiences to help others, part memoir, part self-help and loads of motivation called Dream a Little Dream, which I have a copy of and posted a picture in my Instagram stories the other week if you watch them. Um, and it shows how dreaming small is the real secret to changing your life for the better and fast. Dream, so Dream a Little Dream is her book. So welcome, Lisa. Thanks, Rosie. Thank you for being here. I'm super excited to have you on the show. So that's like a really incredible story. 
for starters. Um, and I've started reading your book. I'm not all the way through it yet, but I've started reading it and it's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, you, you're, you definitely have a talent with stringing words together. And I guess, you know, we all do if we just tell our story, if we just connect to our story and, and put it out there. So I've given you some background. So my podcast is about red pill, blue pill, blue pill of like living life via default and red pill taking responsibility having awareness, consciousness and questioning everything and living it on purpose. So can you share with our audience what blue pill life was for you? Because I think a lot of people just think, oh, they've lived like this forever or they've been really successful forever. Um, But they don't realize that everyone at some point starts off as a blue pill taker. Like every, that's just what we start off. And then it's, if we decide to go red pill, that's a conscious choice that we make. So what was your blue pill life like? So raising my blue pill life at the time seemed pretty good, to be honest. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So I didn't have a comparison and I was kicking goals as far as the world was concerned. You know, the things that your parents and your, your friends and society tell you are good. So um, I went to university to become a journalist and I, I graduated and found myself in a PR career fairly soon after that, which I loved. I started working at a children's hospital in Sydney and, I mean, what a place to kick off your career. Um, just a phenomenal learning ground and a very humbling place to be. Um, my career took me to London for 12 years. So I spent 12 years working on some of the biggest brands in the world on global and pan-European PR projects. Um, I got to hang out with celebrities, very well-known people. Um, and I had an absolute ball. That was my 20s, basically, building my career. Wow. Um, I had lots of romances. And, you know, just had an amazing time. High disposable income, you know, with no... No surprise that you, you know, decide to go to Spain on the weekend on the Thursday. That's just how it was for us yeah, over wow. there. So that's um, like the dream. And I got like, to my talk about that. They're oh like, my god, amazing! It was, and yeah. I guess you know, probably you wonder, well, why the hell would you give that up? Like, why would you come back yeah, to so Australia? And the reason was blue pill life. You know, you think in your early 30s as a woman when people start saying to you, oh, you know, your biological clock and, yeah. you know, it's time to go home and settle down, that that's actually what you should do. Yep. And that's Keep what I did. Business. So I hit 33, I packed up my bags, I said goodbye to my London life and I came home. And look, I was glad to be home. It's a long time to be away. I missed my family. I missed a lot of milestones. Um, and I felt like I wanted to, you know, just slow it down a little. Um, and... I met someone that I went to school with, re-met them, and we had a little fling when we were at school and when we reconnected, we picked up where we left off Mm. and that started a whole chain of events um, that completely upended my blue pill life and made me see that perhaps it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny (laughs) funny how it has a way of of happening like that. I um, My story is a little... well, it's not similar in relation to the career thing because my career aspirations were wife and mother when I was at school, which I got by the time I was 21. But um, as I was ticking all those boxes, I was like going through it, ticking them all. And by the time I'd had my first baby and had the house and the car and married and everything like that, I was like, why aren't I happy? Why? Why? Uh I need another baby. Because then I'll have two kids and I'll be happy. (laughs) 
and the relationship will get better, yep. you know, all that kind of stuff. I was like, then I'll be happy. I, I need to tick more boxes. Um, yeah. yeah. So what was your, what was that like? I, I mean, I look, I think everyone's different, but I kind of find as I talk to people about this stuff that everyone has like this tipping point, they've got this point where, it doesn't, I was talking to someone about the other day and they were like, everyone's got these really dramatic stories and this like downer stuff. And I don't really feel like I have anything. And I just said to them, you know, sometimes being unfulfilled, that's shit. (laughs) Like it doesn't have to be some big massive like event. It can just be that you were feeling really unfulfilled and you didn't want to live like that. Um, but, but everyone has like a point. It's like this, it's the tipping point where they go, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. There has to be a better way. There's got to be more out there. Like I'm done. So what was that point for you? Well, I guess for me, it was kind of thrust upon me and it's a little bit embarrassing to admit it because I'm a very driven, ambitious person, certainly in my professional life. But in my personal life at that time, I'd actually firmly put myself in a passenger seat. And I allowed my partner at the time to dictate where we were going and what that looked like. Very passive. So we had one child um, fairly quickly, Luca, who's now eight. And then after that, I fell pregnant with my second son, Nate. And Nate um, arrived early. He was born at 32 weeks. Oh, wow. So he was a preemie. And we spent um, quite a lot of time in hospital getting him better um, to come home. I should say that he is now six, I was nearly six and, you know, healthy and robust and full of life. But at the time it was really scary. Um, And his dad actually left me 48 hours after he was born. Um, Someone that I, you know, um, I'd be with for the rest of my life that I was building something with. And look, I will admit that we haven't been completely happy, but loop your life. I thought we'll get it back on track and it'll all be fine. And, you know, I didn't realize how unhappy I was until that jolt, that tipping point happened. And when someone leaves you, someone that you love, and you suddenly find yourself after a single phone call, a single mum of two kids under the age of three, one fighting for their life in the neonatal intensive care unit, you have no job, whereas three years before you were, you know, in this global PR career scenario, but you have no job because you left because you thought you were just going to be a mum, and you have no house because actually all of that was put onto somebody else taking responsibility for it I mean you really really have to look at yourself and the decisions that you've made and wonder how the hell you got there and how the hell you're going to get out of it yeah um but yeah that was five years ago so that was your Um, like right I'm here and this is not this I'm I'm not doing this I'm I'm flipping this and I'm going to live life on my terms yeah, and look, obviously it didn't happen immediately. I spent, yeah, yeah, no. My son was born in October, so we had Christmas coming up. Um, I was so ashamed. I was so mm. ashamed at the thought that I was in a broken relationship, that I was a single parent. And it sounds ridiculous, but even five years ago, being a single parent wasn't quite as, um, I guess, openly spoken about as it is now. You know, it's oh, actually something totally. that I'm really proud of. Um, yeah. And there's a whole gang that's out there, you know, who are changing 
the stereotype of what that means and saying, actually, yeah, you might start in Zenzling, but you sure as hell don't have to stay there. Yeah. And I spent three months, you know, really in a bad place. But once I kind of realized it was my reality and the universe had handed me this blank edge sketch, essentially, I saw it as the biggest gift I could have been given. And I guess that's where I swallowed the red pill <laughs> and decided, you know what, I can create anything I want. I've pretty much got everything at my disposal to have whatever I want and I'm just going to go out there and get it for myself but more than that I'm going to get it for my little boys as well I love that so fast forward red pill life I mean I know I read a bit about at the beginning but where are you at now Rosie you know what my life has completely changed and taken me to places and introduced me to people including you that I would never have dreamed of. So um, I'm the founder and managing director of LBPR, which is um, Australia's leading small PR consultancy um, at the moment, um, award-winning. I'm so proud of it. Uh, I have a team of people, so I started not knowing if I could pay myself and suddenly I can pay other people and you know work with clients all over the world, which is phenomenal. Um, I built my own house. So as a single parent running her own business, I went into a several banks and got several no's but yeah. finally found one that saw me and saw the potential of my business and, and what it was as well at the time and what I built very quickly so um yeah I, I built a beautiful home for myself and my boys um I'm a award-winning businesswoman which kind of makes me giggle because <laughs> I had no aspirations to be a businesswoman but um I've been uh welcomed by the Osmompreneur Network and Inspiring Roberts as an ambassador and I guess as an example of someone who has set up a business in less than ideal circumstances um, and made it work and made a success of it. And I'm so proud that I can, you know, be a few steps ahead of particularly other single mums um, who are perhaps wondering what to do and show them that, you know, you can do anything because hashtag superwoman. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, and my life, my life has changed completely. I have changed. I've done a heck of a lot of personal development as a lot of people do when yeah. life throws you these curveballs. Um, mm-hmm. And I know who I am and I know what I want and I'm not permitted think that was for me like when I I had really really bad postnatal depression and I went to um, a postnatal uh, psychologist and she asked me you know so what do you what do you value or what do you believe in it was the first time in my entire life that someone had asked me that and I can remember just sitting there going like being really confused and I was just like I don't like what do you mean and that's like that's why I want to do this for people because that initial stage is really daunting. Um, so, I mean, you've done that, you've got through it. You've obviously very aligned with your values. So how do you, what's your, um, how do you say no? Like, I mean, I know it's knowing what your values and beliefs are, but how have you become really good at saying no to situations even when like someone's like dangling a carrot up, ca- dangling a carrot but it might not be a carrot that's going to take you where you want to go such a good question Rosie and I've actually I think almost become too good at saying no I'm <laughs> so ruthless with who I like my health 
my mental and physical health and the time that I have available and time is our most precious commodity. So um, when I factor in, you know, what's the decision going to mean in terms of the way I feel physically and mentally, in terms of the time that I can invest in my role as a mum, just generally the feeling that I get in my heart, which is our intuition. Um, And I know before the word even leaves my mouth, whether it's a yes or a no, it's a feeling. And I've had plenty of conversations with, um, you know, particularly businesswomen over the last five years where they ask, you know, how do you know what's the right decision? And from the moment I set up LBPR, everything was based on gut feeling. There was no, I did pros and cons lists, and I talk about this in my book, you know, doing a pros and cons list is a wonderful way to sort out whether it's a yes or a no. But at the end of the day, it's how you feel. And feeling is something we don't talk about in business at all. Um, You know, it's very functional and cold, but actually the way you feel is the ultimate anchor and compass to where you should go. So, yeah, for me, yes or no has become so easy. I feel it before I say it. And that's only come through, you know, the years I've been getting in touch with who I am and, as you rightly said, what your values are. Stay true to them, then you're always going to be on the right track. Yeah, totally. I'm glad you're saying that because I'm running a workshop like in Newcastle shortly on your values. So that will be good. You've backed me up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, 100%. And I talk about values in my book as well, like for the business as well as for me personally. Yep. And I had to laugh because my number one value is simplicity. And I, I am not the kind of person you would go, oh my gosh, simplicity, that's so Lisa. But once I realized that simplicity is actually me wanting to spend a weekend on my own, simplicity is actually wanting to just completely deconstruct my day and remove things I don't need to be doing. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is 100% my number one value. Yeah. Um, so if you can work out what your number one value is, that's even more important than just having six or seven of them. You know, there's yeah. others that rely on the number one value always taking precedence. So yeah, totally. It's worked for me. <laughs> so tell us about your book. How did that come about? Well, the book came about for two reasons. One is I'm, as I said, I'm a journalist by degree. I've always written books. And how amazing is this? My year six teacher from primary school now teaches at the school my son goes to and he kept a book I wrote when I was in primary school and gave it to me. It was like brand new. So I've I've done it forever. So number one, I'm a storyteller at heart. I guess the second reason is as I was sharing my story in my local business community and, you know, with my clients, because I realized that being personal in business is one of the most powerful tools we have, um, people would say, well, why don't you write a book? And it kind of stuck with me. I thought, you know what, why don't I write a book? And naive little old me thought, oh, that'll be easy. I love to write. I write all the time for my clients. I'll just write a book. <laughs> two years later, Rosie, it took two years for me was, to write this That was book. my next I question. Had, How long did it take? Oh, my God. Yeah. Stopped and started so many times. I've talked myself in and out of it a um, hundred times. You know, and when you are running a business and you're a parent, you really have to want it. And we had yeah. this conversation before, how bad do you want it? Because yeah. you're writing it at night, you're writing it, you know, in the on the weekends, um, you're taking your kids to play centers so they can be distracted for half an hour. Um, yeah. and writing a book is it's different, you know, you have to know how to structure it, what you want it to look like. So I spend a lot of time in bookshops. You know, I actually Melissa Ambrosini, who I, I know is a um, you know very high up in doTERRA, is someone I modeled my book on because I wanted it to be a self help book. People, funny you say that because I've got her. Lisa I've got story. Her, yeah, and 
I've got yep. her book and when I was looking at your book, I was like, gosh, they're really similar. Like just the layout. Like, gosh, uh-huh. they're similar. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah. So that's really clever. Yeah, well, you know, success leads clues and we've spoken about that as well. So I was like, yeah, I really totally. like her style. I took a lot from her book, you know, Must Be a Mean Girl. So I'm like, okay, this is my version of that. Um, and it's all about the power of dreaming small. So we're, we're told as adults that you should dream big and i I love that and kids as well, you know, always dream big. But actually, dreaming big when you're in a place where I was five years ago can be so daunting and overwhelming that it creates um, a sense of inertia and I'm never going to do that and then you do nothing. So with everything I've achieved in the last five years, I dreamt little. I broke it all down and I picked those little dreams off and suddenly I created the big one. So it's how I did what I did to create the life I have now. I love that. And I think um, as people dream little and those dreams come true it gives them more confidence to dream big because they have more they believe that well if these ones can come true and this one and this one and this one then if i do dream bigger based on what has already happened it can really happen um and when you've got that when you've got that belief behind it the beliefs like honestly like you know there's action and all that kind of stuff but you've really got to believe it to bring it into reality. Yeah, that's right. um, and yeah, that's it's like right. 90% of it. So I think that's a really, really, really powerful message and something that, like you said, like, you know, you go look at people that are into personal development or self-help and all that kind of stuff. And they're all talking about these big dreams and this big stuff that they've achieved. And like looking at it when you're just starting out, it does, it just, you look at it and you're like, how does that even happen? <laughs> how do they even do that? Exactly. Um, and so when I see some of them, not, and I think the downfall in what a lot of them do is they don't share a lot of their struggles in the early days. Um, and when I do see posts, like my girl crush is on Rachel Hollis and she put a post on her Instagram today and it was, I know her, her new book has sold like a million copies and she, and she shared, she said the first book I ever wrote sold 50 copies and 49 of them her husband bought and he kept them hidden <laughs> in he kept them hidden in a box in their garage because he didn't want her to know that only one person bought her book. <laughs> and, that is so beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. And just like and reading that, I was just like, she's like, I've just I've written books and no one's bought them. I've put so much time and you know, to have a book now, she's been in business for 16 years. But to have a book now um, that's just sold a million copies globally, you know, like it's just how bad do you want it? How yeah, bad right. do you want it? How many times? Because you, you're going to get kicked down. As you go through like this red pill life and you chase after your little dreams or whatever it is, you will be kicked down. It's going to happen. How bad do you want it? Because if you want it bad enough, you get back up. Yeah, that's right. And there's that, you know, saying, I don't know if it was Wayne Dyer that said it, but it's not what happens to you that matters. It's how you react to what happens totally. to you that matters. Totally, totally. So, yeah, so I, I totally agree with you, Rosie. Sharing the struggle is where the lessons are and being vulnerable. And Brene Brown talks about this and she's, you know, the Brene. queen of vulnerability, but she's yep. right. And and my book does do that. I, I talk about the early days of LBPR where it was shit. Yeah. It was really, really hard, you know, with two little babies trying to set something up. It was actually madness from reflection, yeah. but I break down a little 
had a long way, you know, and yeah. you don't suddenly wake up with the best model for you. the Arkansas in Australia. Yeah. You have to work hard for it. Totally. So, um, yeah. Totally. So that's, that's, that's what it's about. So where can cheering we find and your being book? real and, and cheering each other up. Absolutely. So the book, um, the best place to get it is my website. So Lisa Burling, dot au forward slash shop. Um, and every book that's bought through me, I sign and I send a letter and put some little goodies in it. So it's sent with love. Awesome. That's what we want. We It's all the over-delivering. It's always the little, the little cherries on top that we love that make it special. That's right. Um, awesome. Yeah. And where, where do you hang out most socially? Like not honestly, like online socially, <laughs> not not like oh, online yeah, socially, I'm like yeah, um, like because like as I said that I was like, oh god, she's gonna think I'm talking social life. We don't have social lives. <laughs> I was about to say, actually, I hang out at my house in the country yeah, with two rabbits and two small children. Mainly, like, no, no, no. <laughs> socially, when I say socially, I'm talking about online social platforms. Social life is not okay. So, me, so we're talking the same language. Cool. Well, you will mainly find me on Instagram and Facebook um, as Lisa Burling, but also um, LBPR and Dream a Little Dream Project have their own um, accounts as well. So there's six places you can go and hang out with me at any time. I'd, I'd love people to join me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast. I really appreciate it. And I am so looking forward to getting through to the end of your book and um, working with you more and getting to know you more as, um, as time goes on. So thank, thank you. Thank you, Rosie. I've loved every second. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, it's Lisa Burling, B-U-R-L-I-N-G.com. Is it .au? .au, yeah. .com.au. And you can find her at Lisa Burling on Instagram or Facebook. So that wraps up this episode. Thank you for being on here with me and I will see you guys next week for another episode of the red pill and the rabbit hole. Take care. Bye.